wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio here today for August 25th, 2017. Hope you guys are doing well. No, Wrestle Rant Radio normally does not go up on Fridays. It's typically a Thursday show. Uh, but this past week has been crazy. Last week, or last year rather, was very similar in that respect. Where this year I wasn't at SummerSlam, but I did go away to go visit my girlfriend that same exact weekend on the days that it would be at SummerSlam or Raw or TakeOver or whatever. So I was still backed up quite a bit with reviews and videos and podcasts and stuff. So I had to push Wrestle Rant. I'm st- there's still stuff I have to do. Uh, Wrestle Rant Radio goes up on Friday this year, or you know, just just this week rather, uh, for SummerSlam weekend. Last year's Wrestle Rant Radio after SummerSlam was delayed about like a week. I didn't have it up until like Monday the following uh, the following week. That's how pushed back I was from all the stuff going on. And this year is no different. And that's also in addition to the fact that I'm still sick from last week. If you couldn't recall, I recorded WrestleRant Radio last week with RJ. Great episode, by the way. Not really relevant now because it gives our SummerSlam predictions. But if you want to see what we got right and what we got wrong, go back and check out that episode right here on NextAirWrestling.net from last Thursday. Uh, But if you can recall, I did that entire episode with a shot voice, and that was kind of the beginning of my sickness. And the part that sucks is that I never get sick. And, of course, the one time I get sick is the one week where I'm super fucking busy. This and WrestleMania are usually the two most busiest weeks of the year. And this year has been no different going from WrestleMania. I was at WrestleMania, not at SummerSlam this year, but I was still away and doing other stuff. It's been crazy. But uh, that being said, though, I do want to say I apologize for my shot voice. If I cough a lot, sniffle a lot, it's it's been a uh, very long week, to say the least. Or really, <coughs> there you go. Or at least not long enough. Uh, I mean, the, the days just keep on flying by, flying by, flying by. There's just stuff to do every single second of the day. But I did want to make time to talk about SummerSlam from last weekend. I will not be doing a match-by-match review. Rather, on today's show, in addition to talking about SummerSlam and TakeOver, I don't know if we're even going to go the full hour because I don't want to uh, talk for even 30 minutes straight because my voice is still shot. And I tried to do that for Hashtag on Wednesday or Thursday went up, rather, uh, last night. And it was terrible. Uh, the audio just did not come out well. I was almost falling asleep by the end. Not because of my, not because of your questions, but because of my own tiredness. That's how fucking tired I was when I recorded that show on Wednesday night. So it was a whole mess. I don't want to go through that again and have you guys go through that again and have you suffer through my awful voice and sickness and whatnot. Uh, but we will power through. We will push through and talk about SummerSlam takeover and whatnot in just a bit. But to kick off today's episode. I'll be airing my interviews back to back to back to back, uh, my three separate interviews, though one of them has three different people in it, with these stars of GFW uh, that I recorded over the past two weeks. Now, I alluded to it last week. I was going to have my Eli Drake interview that I recorded two weeks ago up last week, but because the episode with RJ ran so long, I didn't do it and said it would be up this week, and it will be. So today, 
you will hear my exclusive interviews with the former World Heavyweight Champion, Bobby Lashley, the current X-Division Champion, Sanjay Dutt, the former X-Division Champion, Low-Key, and another former X-Division Champion in Trevor Lee, as well as the new GFW Global Heavyweight Champion, Eli Drake. Again, I recorded that two weeks ago, about a week before they, they taped the title change with Eli Drake winning the world title. So it's cool to know that I have since talked to the world champion, and what better time to air that interview than on this show coming off his big win from last night. So I will air the interviews in this order. Bobby Lashley, because... You know, the Bobby Lashley interview is like three minutes because it was a part of the GFW teleconference and I only got to ask three questions. So it's only about a few minutes long, but you'll hear my interview with Bobby Lashley. Then hear my interviews with Trevor Lee, Sanjay Dutt, and Loki from the week prior. And then to end the episode, to end the interviews rather, the interview segment of the show, will be my interview with Eli Drake. And as opposed to just stretching them out over the course of the next couple weeks, I figured I would just air all the interviews at one time right now just to get them over with. Um, and kind of move them out of the way, because they're not that long anyway. I mean, even the Eli Drake interview, which is the longest of all of them, I think is only about 20 minutes maybe, even if that, 22. So uh, after those interviews here, I will give my thoughts on SummerSlam TakeOver and whatnot from last week, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, and in between time, enjoy my interviews with the stars of GFW. Hey, Bobby and Dan, how are you doing today? Fantastic. This is Grant Matthews with HiddenRoad.com. I just wanted to ask you guys both, uh, between Mayweather and McGregor later on this month and possibly Brock Lesnar and John Jones maybe later this year, if not next year, uh, do you think there's a chance we see any more instances of crossovers in combat sports in the future? And if so, if there's any specific fight match that you would like to see? I think people are going to go where the money is. Uh, Obviously, Mayweather and McGregor is is huge. It'll be one of the biggest pay-per-views of all time. And uh, I know there's lots of guys at our gym, including Julio Santos, has already started calling out professional heavyweight boxers. You know, pe- people want to go where the buzz is, and they want to see the matchups that uh, that are going to pay themselves the most amount of money. So I, I would I would not ex- be surprised at all, based on the success of the show coming up, if, if you don't see at least more guys calling each other out. Now, whether or not those fights come to fruition, I guess that's that's up to the promoters and how hard the fans want to see it. Yeah, and I can't really think of a matchup that I I could think of offhand, but that's what everybody wants, the big money fight, so that's what we're all doing. Uh, my question for you would be, I know your initial stint in TNA many years ago did not last long, around 2009, 2010, but how would you compare the atmosphere between TNA back then and GFW uh, in present day? And why would you why would you prompt the uh, why did you prompt to return to the company when you did a number of years ago back in 2014? Okay. Uh, well, I never really wanted to leave in the first place. Now, my first thing with, with TNA or, or GFW was was um, was a chance. We were trying what we're trying now. We're trying what we're doing now. Before, no one really knew the commitment needed to be able to do professional wrestling and and pro wrestling. No one knew. And then and then when we found out, it started becoming a little complicated. So at that point, I had to kind of step away because I was pursuing MMA. But now um, it's different. It's different. Um, there's more. There's more communication because that's the only way that it can happen. There's the only way that I could be able to fight and do professional wrestling at the same time. Is if there's cooperation, there's communication between the MMA side and the professional wrestling side. And I mean, it's it's been really easy lately because everybody understands and everybody sees the big picture. The fighting has been beneficial to my wrestling, and the wrestling has been beneficial to my fight. So everybody's on board to to make it 
really calm, really easy. So I'm able to do it. And I'm going to continue to do it as long as I can, because right now I can't. I know we're dealing with something right now, whether or not I can devote enough time to, to be able to be completely successful and as successful as I possibly can in fighting. But we'll figure that out. I'm just excited to have the opportunity to do it. Of course, Kurt Angle's now back in the WWE as the Raw GM, but on record, you did have his last televised match to date uh, late last year, and early last year, rather, in GFW. I just wanted to get what it meant to you to wrestle Kurt Angle's final televised match to GFW. I, man, it, that match was, you know, I've done wrestling from big pay-per-views all the way across the world, from WrestleMania to everything else. That one, I, I put that one all the way on the top. I mean, not on the top of everything, but I think it's like my top two, top three. And and the reason being is I've always looked up to Kurt. I, I was watching Kurt when I was in high school, when I was in high school wrestling, and Kurt was winning nationals in college. And then when I went to college and I was winning national championships in college, Kurt was winning the Olympic championships and world championships. And then, and then I just kind of followed him all the way up. And then afterwards, when I was at the Olympic training center, Kurt actually came to the Olympic training center to do a vignette. And Kurt's the one that found me. Um, he said, man, you should be a, you should, you have to think about professional wrestling. We talked a little bit past my number on and, and the rest is history. I mean, he was the one that got me into professional wrestling. And for the time that we were in, for 12 years I was in, in professional wrestling. Me and Kurt never even crossed paths. When I went to WWE, he, he went to TNA. When I went to TNA, he, he stepped out and was, was fighting. And then he came back, and I was out, and I went fighting, and I finally came back. So the whole time this person that got me in there mentored me along the way. We would always talk on the phone, and he would talk to me about different matches and what to do and just kind of help me out with the just politics of wrestling and just kind of mentored me all the way. And then actually having the opportunity to wrestle him towards the end, that was the one thing that I was jockeying and pulling for so hard, especially with TNA last year, is I was telling the man, if Kurt's getting ready to retire, you guys got to get something. You got to get me in the ring with him. And it was it was incredible. We had two big matches in each time. Just it was just incredible. It was like you're you're in the ring with your teacher. That's kind of how it was for me. I like Kurt's style. I mimic Kurt's style to a certain extent. So to me, it was amazing. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Graham Matthews with HeadandRemote.com. How are you doing today? Doing well. So my first question, I guess this would go to Sanjay and Trevor Lee with Destination X coming up. I was just curious what the status of Option C would be, as it's been an important part of Destination X for the past couple of years now, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be in effect at the event this coming year. Uh, any thoughts on not going for the World Championship this coming this coming installment of Destination X? Uh, I'll take that first. It's right. This year, Destination X is that option is not in effect. Uh, it doesn't mean that that can't be uh, put into play later on, and it, it doesn't mean that it can't be put into play at a different time and a different place. But uh, currently, right now, that option is not in play for this year's Destination X. I think that, uh, you know, myself, Trevor, you know, uh, Caleb Conley, your, your Laredo kids, your Guards, we're, we're really focusing on right now is trying to elevate the division, and I, I think that uh, Loki's a, a perfect example of you know elevating your style and, and your performance in one division and catapulting yourself up. And, you know, in Destination X, Loki's getting his his global championship spot uh, shot. So uh, I think that's a great representation of what can happen uh, through through your hard work and excelling in one division. And to build on top of that, the, well, let me get to this, Trevor. The understanding of the X Division is that this is the identity of our company, and 
time, from the beginning. And this is what has set us apart from everyone else. However, this is a growing stage because for the most part, this is where you see young, unknown competitors cut their teeth in the pros and elevate themselves on a worldwide scale. And not just me, not just Sanjay, but there have been many other professionals who have come through the X Division who have gone on to do extremely powerful and extremely successful things. So it's a, it's a very important time to be in the X Division because it's now a new era of global force moving into a new era of professional wrestling. So it's an exciting time. Uh, with Destination X right around the corner, I think now is as good of a time as any to kind of look back at the most monumental and biggest matches the X Division has had to offer over the past 15 years in GFW's history. Um, in your opinion, in addition to uh, the obvious answer of Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels from Unbreakable 2005, what would you say is the most the match that kind of served as a turning point for the X Division from the past 15 years of GFW? I think I can go ahead and start by saying... Uh... Trevor Lee versus William Weeks was the, the turning point on what's going, to, what's going to elevate us back to the top. Well, uh, I think another turning point for the X Division, I've been there since the beginning, since day one. I was in the very first X Division match. I've been in numerous uh, extensions of the X Division, which ultimately turned into Ultimate X. Um, there's been several. But I think the most recent one was our two out of three falls belt at Slammiversary 15. And the reason being is this was now an accumulation of experience in the X Division. And we went out and did it the way that we know how. Just leave it all out in the ring. And that's exactly what we did. And in this era, as someone had stated earlier, this is a rebuilding stage. We rebuild all of incredibly high quality. So I think... Slam 15 was probably the, the most recent turning point. Um, there's been several instances throughout the years from other champions, but the focus right now is us moving forward. So I would put my foot down with Slam 15. I'll second that one. Loki, this one's for you. I know Sanjay said earlier why he opted to re-sign with GFW a number of months ago, um, but I was curious as to why you chose to return to the company to be a part of the X Division, as now you have been a five-time X Division champion. And then coming back to the company, is there anything else you would like to accomplish? I mean, obviously you just joined LAX. Do you wish to become world champion at some point? Obviously your focus right now is on the X Division, um, but is there anything else you would like to accomplish in coming back to GFW? Well, Global Ford is something that I've represented for going on 20 years. And I've done it with the old-fashioned way, hard work. I'm a five-time next division champion. That's well documented. I'm now a new member of Latin American Exchange alongside my first instructor, which would be Homicide, the person who began me on this journey in professional wrestling. So not only do you have the student and the teacher together, we have the same mindset. And the only way, the only mindset is forward or moving up. And I've accomplished everything that I needed to accomplish in every other realm in the company except the world championship. And the last time I had a crack at the world championship was in 2003, I believe, against AJ Styles. And he got away with one. That was the last time I was involved in a world championship match. 
And that's not because of me, that's because of mismanagement. I'm a world-class competitor. I'm, as I stated upon my return, I'm one of the few guys who can go anywhere on the planet and I'm an immediate threat to champions. Why? Because I have the lineage, I have the credibility, and I have the ferocity to become a threat. And Global Force, I came in with the intent to go after Lashley. He's never seen anything like me. I'm not Ray Mysterio. I'm not Matt Seidel. I come at you in a completely different manner, and I'm skillful at it. However, Lashley is no longer the champion. It's Alberto. And to me, it doesn't matter who it is. These are all high-class pedigrees of world-class champions. I'm the same. I come from the same cut. So it doesn't matter who has the top position. If it isn't me, they're going to have to see me one way or the other, and I highly doubt they're going to be prepared for what's coming. Sanjay, this was for you. I know you discussed earlier the moment of winning the X Division Championship in your native India a number of weeks back on Impact. Uh, that being said, for a long time, you were considered the greatest X Division competitor to have never won the X Division Championship, having gotten various shots at it over the uh, you know over the years, never having won it before. Was it worth the wait for you to win it in the way you did in the match that you did against the great opponent in low key? Uh, right before Slammiversary on Impact in India, was it worth the way? Do you think that moment meant more to you to have won it then as opposed to a number of years ago at a random pay-per-view or whatnot? Absolutely. Timing in in life is everything, man. And and, uh, especially here with this type of situation, timing, it all all stars kind of aligned, everything kind of fell into place, the story kind of pulled itself, and I think that, uh, you know, hitting into that type of, of match and then this title change and whatnot that uh, there was no better um, you know opponent than, than a guy like Loki I think that uh, you know that that all just kind of fell into place the story it, it pulled itself you know my eye injury uh, and then and then Loki's eye getting messed up in India too and it was going into the match with, with these injuries and uh, the whole backstory of me never winning it and having to have to happen in India in front of my people I mean that that type of atmosphere, that type of emotion, I don't think it could have been conveyed um, the same or, or anywhere near appropriately if it was, like you said, at a pay-per-view, you know, five, six years ago. And uh, this, this truly, I think, we did a great job making it mean something and really telling a, a really cool story. Hi, Eli. This is Graham Romina with HiddenRoad.com. How are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, so before we get started, I was just listening to another interview that you did uh, a couple of months ago, I listened to it for the first time when it first came out, but I just listened to it back because I knew I was talking to you today, uh, when you talked to Cole Cabana on his Art of Wrestling podcast, and it was so funny because I, thir- I thoroughly enjoyed it the first time, and listening to it back, it was funny to hear you talk about because I'm like, ah, what should I call him? Because I know you talked about in the interview like how wrestlers, should, how they should per- you know, like portray themselves in interviews, whether it be as, them, as their in-ring names, as their real names. Uh, just wanted to get your, kind of get your thoughts on that. What would you prefer to be called for today's interview? Eli, Sean, I guess it's your choice, obviously. Uh, I mean, mostly I just call him by the in-ring performer name. I don't want to show any disrespect by calling you Sean, so I just wanted to do whatever you preferred. Hmm. Well, you know what? I mean, honestly, I, I, it's probably going to get more eyes if you use Eli Drake, just because if, if you use Sean Rickard, some people might be like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, so, 
Sure. Okay. Definitely. We'll go with Eli Drake. Okay. But if I call you Sean by accident, oh, I, you know, I think people will know what I'm talking about. But uh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that being said, uh, I kind of going off that too. I think you mentioned in the interview as well, like with wrestling, it, it's a weird thing because you know with actors and stuff outside of wrestling, like you don't go up to an actor and call them by whatever character they went in that specific movie, whatever like the latest movie they did. Uh, do you think wrestlers should be given more credit? for stuff outside of wrestling. Like, I, I, you might have mentioned in the interview, it might have been someone else, I definitely heard this before, where, like, at the end of wrestling, uh, like, you know, Impact Wrestling, GFW Impact Wrestling, starring Eli Drake as, you know, Sean Ricker as Eli Drake. Do you think more wrestling promotions should be doing at that, or do you think we're so far in to wrestling that it's kind of I mean, it's kind of hard to go back and start doing that type of thing, if you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know. See, I, I, don't, I don't feel like we're that deep into wrestling anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think Yes, I do. Okay. So now, obviously, I'm talking about the other company here, but let, let's forget any of that for a second. Let's say you, you go to the WWE Network and you pull up a show, and there's a disclaimer at the beginning of that show, and if you kind of, you know, you skim down this part where it says that these are actors portraying a role. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So if those are actors portraying the role, then where is their credit, in a sense? Uh, and, and, and I don't really care about necessarily the credit per se, but what I'm saying in that is <clears throat> why then, uh, in, in a, especially in WWE, they, wanna, they will own your name. Uh, you will not be able to take that name with you. You will not be able to leave with it. And that's pretty much just like any other movie, television show, whatever. So that's fine. I get it. Mm -hmm. But the difference is in a movie and a television show, um, you know, it's credited as this actor is playing this character. So you can move on with your career and it's not a whole rebuilding process. You know what I mean? So like if, if I go from, you know, uh, company A to company B, I've got to have a whole new name and a whole new persona and mm -hmm. all this stuff. That's, that's fine if I have a brand as myself, as the actor, not as one specific character, which does happen sometimes in acting, um, but at the same time, you still know who the actor is. Like, for instance, everybody knows George, George Costanza, and they probably know that name better than they know his actual real name, Jason Alexander, mm -hmm. but at the same time, he does still have some sort of a brand as Jason Alexander, whereas a guy like... Um, What's his name? Robert Downey Jr. can play many different things. People know Robert Downey Jr., but they never say, "Hey, that's Tony Stark." Hey, that's Iron. sometimes they might say, "Hey, that's Iron Man," but for the most part, like they know he's not gonna portray. He, he's not gonna be as campy as to go in an interview and be Iron Man in an interview. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just a ridiculous thing. People would not take him seriously. They think he's a complete idiot, and they would completely just dismiss him. Uh, as being any kind of a serious, intelligent performer. Uh, and, and that was my whole thing, was that I just feel like we kind of pigeonhole ourselves and shoot ourselves in the foot by not allowing ourselves to ascend to a higher height in the eye of the general public um, by, you know, running around in character and doing interviews in character and 
pretending that we're that character 24 hours a day. Uh, it's kind of a silly thing to do if you really want to bring in a broader audience. Now, if we're just trying to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, jerk off that same fan base that we're always going to have, which we should cater to a loyal fan base, but at the same time, if that's all that you're going to cater to and you never try and grow that brand or you never try and grow that audience, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. It, it, it's, it's such a weird thing, because like you said in the interview, I mean, why should wrestling be any different? Like, I completely agree, and it's just weird that wrestling is kind of like, as you said, pigeonholed is kind of like a sideshow act, where this it's done for acting and all these other different industries, but not wrestling, because it's, you know, it's, it's sports entertainment. It's, it's a weird thing, or whether pro wrestling, whatever you call it, um, it's, it's a really weird thing. But it's, it is a great idea, though, because when I heard that, I definitely had to ask you about it, just because it's not something that's brought up too often. It's definitely something that should be more thought about going forward with other wrestlers and whatnot. But uh, I, I think especially being, and, and of course I'm biased because I'm in the business, but mm-hmm. what's beginning is that if you really consider it and you break down what we do, we don't get any second takes. Mm-hmm. Everything is live. Everything we're doing a different show every time we go out there, so it's not. There are no scripts now. I know in some companies there are scripts, things like that. And sometimes you're handed like a format, and it might be like, "Hey, you're going to this, 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 this," but it's not a lot. I would say ninety percent of what we're doing is is kind of improv or it's our own creation. We get to create the art. There are not any other forms of entertainment on this earth where I can think of that they are their own stunt person. They get one take. And they're pretty much creating the art. It's it is it is such a high form of art that does not get that respect, and it drives me crazy when you really break it down like that. And I think that that's one of those ways that we could actually break through and start to get looked at more that way is to not continue to make ourselves look like a circus sideshow. And you mentioned it right there, too. I mean, some companies have scripts, others don't. Obviously, it's dependent on where you work and where you're wrestling, where you're competing. Uh, but that being said, in my personal opinion, you're one of, the, one of the top talkers that GFW has on their roster at this moment. Uh, with GFW, of course, you've had a run in WWE and NXT as well. And not even only them compared to them, but just in general. Uh, with the promos that you have the ability to cut in GFW, do you have any freedom with that? Do you, cut, do you, do you write a majority of the promos that you cut? Uh, what's kind of the process there for you? No, you know, it's funny, uh, I, I love, I think it's so funny when uh, I have people hand me uh, a written promo. I've gone to even like small independent companies where guys have handed me uh-huh. a written promo and they'll try and write it to like my catchphrase and whatnot. I'm like, <laughs> what is this crap? Right? Yeah. I usually end up just talking. And, and quite honestly, I, I'll be 100% honest, uh, anytime that I've been handed a promo at Impact, I've maybe used... Uh, three to five percent of what was written and otherwise I just got rid of it and tossed it and the three to five percent that I would use was basically what are the bullet points what's the direction I'm going in where what do I what points do I need to get across what do I need to put over and that's it other than that I'm, I'm going to fill in the blanks and say what I'm going to say because a lot of times uh, no offense to anybody but some of the stuff is kind of lame and I knew that I could just frame it better. Uh, and I don't mean to say that in any disrespect. I'm sure that there's maybe somebody who's a better performer than me that maybe could have fucking delivered whatever they had written just right. But for what I was reading, it didn't work with what I was what I bring it to. Uh, so I would again take the 
general points of what they wanted me to get across. I get those points across, but I was going to say it in my way. And it's an, it's an interesting thing, too, like you brought up, like in cutting your majority of your promos, because that was the next question what I wanted to ask you, ask you. Going back to a certain promo that you cut last year, late last year on GFW, uh, it was a Fact of Likes segment with uh, Ethan Carter III. You guys were going back and forth. I would be shocked if you said this segment was written by anyone else but you, but it was the promo that you cut on him where you were saying that you were scratched and clawed your way to the top, and he had everything handed to him. And the funny thing is, is that at that point in time, he was a heel, or he was rather the babyface. He's a heel now. He was the babyface at the time. You were the heel. And I'm thinking, man, are they doing a double turn or something here? But, okay, not not to, like, you know, blow smoke up your ass or anything, but it really felt like an Austin 316 promo. Like, holy shit. Like, by that point, people already knew you were a great talker, but it's like, oh, my God, this could be the breakthrough promo, and you've only really gone nowhere but up since then. So uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that specific promo from late last year. Yeah, you know, I I, I, uh, I get a lot of uh, a lot of props on that one. A lot of people hit me up on that one. Uh, as you had said, one hundred percent. We we just kind of cra- we we kind of crafted that on our own. I didn't. We had a page. It said some stuff on it, and we kind of read it. And a lot of the stuff was kind of it was kind of like schoolyard insults, and we were just like, no, this ain't gonna cut it. Uh, and so we both just kind of were just like, I, I, we're not going to do this. Um, let's go out and do our thing. We know how to do this. And, and the good thing is that I, I think that for the most part, I, I think that they're writing it because they know they have to. Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, because they have to do it for some guys. I get that. Some guys need it. Um, and, and I think that they should follow it uh, if, if they don't. If they're not naturally good at doing this, uh, and that's not the most smoke on my own ass. I just I've been doing this for a while. I know how to talk. I know what my strengths are. So I think that management knows that. A lot of the writers know that. Everything, whatever. Um, so fortunately, I've been given a little bit of that freedom. But at the same time, I think that's also because you need to take chances and and exercise that freedom on your own to a degree. And if what you do is good, then you are then granted that freedom. If what you do sucks, then you messed up, and they're not going to give you that freedom anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that particular segment, it was just kind of like we read it. A lot of the stuff felt a little too light, and we were like, let's go heavy on it. But the funny thing was we didn't talk about anything that we were going to say beforehand. We just had our own stuff in our heads. And once we got out there, we just did it. He didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know what he was going to say. And it was perfect that way. And it worked really well, too. You guys had great matches. It was a really enjoyable feud that really took you to that next level. I mean, you were already doing some good work with James Storm, the feud that you guys had last year. And already in your two, three years with GFW, you worked with James Storm, Ethan Carter III, Alberto Albertron you had a match with a number of months ago. Is there anyone on the current roster that you would like to uh, mix it up with at some point down the road? Absolutely. Uh, I can say 100% right off the front, Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. Never even... We've never touched. We've never even been in the same ring together other than I think uh, once or twice we've been tagged up. Uh, but we've never been on opposing sides. Uh, and I would at some point, not too soon. I don't want to do it too soon. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to ruin it. And maybe that's only because I build it up so much in my own head and maybe in nobody else's head anywhere ever. But in my own head, I don't want to spoil it and do it too soon. But I do at some point. Want to have that match with Bobby Lashley. 
And he's one of the top dogs in GFW right now, so hopefully at some point down the road, maybe for a world title, it'll be pretty cool to see. Um, Speaking of which, world championship scene, you you got the X Division scene, you got Destination X next Thursday, which is the reason why we're talking for next week. Um, You've held the TNA King of the Route and Mountain Championship before, you've held that gold. Uh, Of course, the X Division is about no limits, not weight limits. I know Mike, uh, now known as Mike Canales, formerly known as Mike Bennett in TNA, held the X Division Championship last year, and you guys are around the same weight, so is there a possibility we could see you chasing the X Division Championship at some point? Oh, man, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I've never actually... Um, actually, I think maybe once last year, late last year, I think I might have suggested something of that nature, mm-hmm. where I might have some sort of an X Division rivalry or something like that. Uh, it never happened, never came off the ground. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's something to consider. Uh, it's not something I've given any thought to again since last year. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty much open to anything. It's something new and different. Uh, something that I can uh, see as a challenge. Uh, I'd absolutely be up for it. And even just recently, you were involved in a pretty high-profile match at Slammiversary. You and Chris Adonis, formerly known as Chris Masters, up against Moose and D'Angelo Williams. So I want to get your thoughts on that match, your thoughts on the feud of Moose. And uh, being in the ring with a, with a football superstar, was there any pressure on you for like, oh man, I can't get this guy here? Because he did some pretty crazy stuff down the, you know, down the line in that matchup. So I want to get your thoughts on the match at Slammiversary. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime I go out there, I put a lot of pressure on myself yep. uh, to... Um, to perform a certain way, to uh, leave a certain impression. Uh, but at the same time, now you've got a guy who's not a regular performer. So now I've got to not only, you know, put the pressure on myself, but now it's also i got to kind of watch out for this guy. Is he going to get uh, the nerves going to get to him? Is he going to get, uh, you know, is he going to get shook by this whole thing? Um, it, it was really impressive. Um to see the things that he could do, especially being uh, very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it was just kind of like, let's go out. I'm going to make him look as good as I possibly can. Uh, and honestly, he deserves a lot of the credit because he was putting the time in, in the short little time that he did have to get ready for that. I mean, for him to do, be able to do a lot of stuff, of course, he's a natural athlete. He comes from football, so it's like he already has a little bit of that built in. Uh, but then again, Got to have a good ass dance partner, right? So, uh, so it was uh, it was a good time. It was, it was a fun time. Um, I enjoyed a little bit of that extra rub that we got from it. Wish we'd have gotten a little more. So I feel like some of the names, the talent, the company weren't uh, mentioned nearly enough when, mm-hmm. these, uh, when, the, when the story was highlighted. Uh, but all in all, it was a good experience and a fun time. And also, you've been with the company now for about two, three years. You've been there through the TNA, the Impact Wrestling, the GFW days. Uh, what have you noticed have been the biggest changes as from the Impact Wrestling brand to GFW in the last number of months alone? Uh, well, I, I think the first thing you see is some of the relationships uh, with outside companies and, mm-hmm. and just uh, different things like that becoming better. Uh, it's not so isolated. Even if you go to, you look at the idea that we have uh, Spike TV in the UK now, it almost makes you think, okay, well then I guess maybe there's a good, renewed relationship with them because I know things are kind of rocky with them and that's why we were off Spike TV there for a little bit. Um, So I I don't know if that's good stuff to come. I literally have my hands off of any of the office happening, so I have no idea of any of that. Uh, But I'm just saying, looking at that from the perspective of 
having Spike UK, I think that's a huge thing. Uh, and then you look at now the relationships with AAA, Noah, I guess whatever the relationship may or may not be with Lucha Underground, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but it does seem like there's a lot of structure and there's a lot more, um, uh, I think there's a lot more willingness for outside companies and things like that to work with us now. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. I think all of that is working in our favor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's what I was just going to say, that with all the new fresh faces from Ishimori and ACH and Drago, like you said, even from Lucha Underground, he's the Lucha Underground talent, a lot of awesome new names in, in uh, GFW in the last number of weeks alone. Um, we had Alberto Patron join the company a few months ago. Any other people from around the wrestling world that you would love to see get involved with GFW during this rebuilding phase? Uh, I, I really don't know. Yes and no. Um, and, and the reason I say no is just because I feel like we've got so much talent right now. Yeah, true. Um, and, and a lot of it, I feel like, is almost being kind of spread thin or underutilized just because when you really think about it, we only have two hours of television. Mm-hmm. And we've got such a deep roster of people. Like There are so many people. So it's almost like either if we're going to bring in more people, it seems like maybe we have any cuts in fat, or maybe we just need to not bring any people in and just utilize the talent that we do currently have to the fullest. Um, because otherwise you just, I mean, you're paying people to really not do a lot. And I don't think that that's smart in the business sense, not saying that's what's going on, but if that is what's going on or what's going to happen in the future, I don't think that's a wise move. Um, and, and I think that really, uh, again, I, I think that the best move is to currently utilize the talent that we have to the best. And if for whatever reason that's not working out, then you move on, and then that's when we start bringing in new people. I don't think that we can oversaturate, again, with only having two hours of television a week. And pretty basic question here. What's the origin of the uh, the dummy yeah catchphrase? One of the most you know catchiest catchphrases, I guess you could put it, in, in Impact Wrestling. Really in wrestling, I mean, I was on my way to SummerSlam about a year ago with my buddy who kind of tunes into Impact Wrestling once in a while, but you really stood out to him as a star on the rise, and the dummy yeah catchphrase was a large part of that. So uh, where, where, where's, you know, where does that stem from? What's the origin there? Oh, man. I, I mean, I've just been saying dummy in general on the Indies and whatnot since probably like 2010. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where it came from. I, I think I was probably listening to an old Bobby Heenan promo or something and just <laughs> started saying it. Um, you, you know, a, a lot of this stuff just comes from stuff that I say in like regular life. So, um, you know, I'll walk around just say goofy stuff while I'm out with friends or whatever, and then I'll just be like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll keep that, maybe I'll use that, whatever. And so I remember when we were trying to uh, uh, record for the actual dummy button. Uh, I was just back there just yelling out some dummies and some other stuff. And, and I also just randomly would always go, yeah. So I, so while I was back there doing the dummy thing, I just started doing it. And I was like, dummy, 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 yeah. And it's just all this different stuff. And finally, that was what we settled on. So... It was just one random take of me going dummy and adding the yeah, two things that I would ordinarily say in my everyday life like an idiot and sometimes also say, you know, while I was working uh, and they just kind of melded together and there you have it. And it's awesome. I mean, just even simple stuff like that, that's what gets over in wrestling. I mean, you look no further than yes, dummy, yeah. I mean, like catchphrases like that. That's that's You don't have to be too complicated, just as simple as that. And like you said, you have your own app for it as well so people can check it out. That, that's the one thing that I'm saying, and, and you, you just said it perfectly, is, is, is those simple things. And 
it drives me nuts to look around the wrestling business and watch guys killing themselves, like beating their bodies up, destroying themselves, taking crazy chances, which sometimes you got to take some chances here and there. But these guys are going to kill their bodies. They're going to be in terrible shape in their 40s, 50s, whatever. And meanwhile, I don't think a lot of that stuff's going to be remembered. Like, if, if you look at the guys who were the most over, are the most over, it's always the guys who have some sort of personality, some sort of character. Nobody is going up to, uh, I don't know, nobody's going up to Daniel Bryan, for instance, and going, uh, what was his finishing move? I don't remember the name of his move. The yes lock? Nobody knows that. Okay, fine. Nobody's going up to him and doing that. But the thing to go up to him and do is, yes. Oh, exactly, yeah. Yes, that's what's over. It's not the moves, but like a lot of the guys get stuck in, I've got to do 500 different moves. And then they don't worry about the stuff in between. Mm-hmm. And then they got a beaten, battered body. And I'm just like, why are we doing this? And then they make the show look like a stunt show. Which, again, there's a, there's, a, there's a niche for that. There's a certain part where you put that in. But if you're going to go to that all the time and that's all you've got, I think you're very much limiting yourself. I think guys need to really connect with themselves, connect with the inside of themselves, figure out what the character is, figure out who they are, what they are, bring it out, be it. That's what's going to connect with the people. So we're telling stories. It's, it's stories that draw the audience in. The moves are cool. The moves are great. But at the end of the day, it's stories and it's characters. That's always what it's been. And so I, I can't stand watching these guys just destroy themselves or watching guys take five kicks to the head and then all of a sudden they stand up and they're fine. If you're getting kicked in the head five times, you're knocked out. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Uh, it's, it's, it, I don't know, there's some things in the wrestling business that are just getting silly, uh, and, and I think that some of that stuff needs to go, and that might sound like it's old talk and the business is evolving. Maybe the business is evolving to a certain way, sure, but the human body is not evolving to that way. Mm-hmm. The, the human body is not evolved to the point where you can get kicked in the head five times and still be walking. It's not realistic. You lose... That, that goes back to that same thing where I say you need to reach out and grab a larger audience, an audience who's not necessarily familiar with wrestling, an audience who maybe is like, I'm going to give this wrestling thing a chance. But then when they tune in and they see a guy get kicked in the head five times and then he gets up and runs and hits the ropes, they're like, well, this is bullshit. This is completely fake and phony. Why am I going to watch this? Whereas if you can tell a good, compelling story and you have compelling characters, you're going to have people tune in, people who aren't ordinarily into wrestling and also the people who are ordinarily in wrestling, a la Breaking Bad, a la Walking Dead. They have compelling characters and compelling stories, people tune in. Bottom line. Yeah, that's exactly it. It almost is as simple as that, and it's kind of hard. That's it's that lost art of wrestling that's kind of you know just lost on people today when it comes to just fans and you know finding what works and whatnot. And and it's been really cool to follow your revolution in GFW over the past two to three years. Obviously, starting out as a member of the Rising and kind of being just another member of that group, and then taking matters into your own hands, becoming the dummy yak character, becoming Eli Drake, and really branching out on your own, becoming the superstar you are today. Uh, that being said, in the rising group was the leader, Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway at that point in time. Uh, what have been your thoughts on the recent success that he's had and going back to NXT and kind of uh, rejuvenating himself? Did you really think that, do you think that the, the the stint that he had in Impact Wrestling 
really kind of rejuvenated his career coming off of, you know, his three MB days, really not doing anything in WWE. This stuff that you guys did in GFW, do you think that's kind of what led him back to where he once was? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to narrow it down to just that. Uh, knowing him personally, I know that he was in a different town almost every night, if not every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really crazy actually watching his schedule because he would always be, you know, he'd be in uh, Europe, he'd be in Australia, he'd be somewhere. So I, I think that that was keeping him visible. But of course, also, yeah, he's on our TV every week and he's killing it. So I think that that was definitely... Uh, a part that gave him more almost legitimacy, I think, in a lot of people's eyes, but it was also a lot of those indie dates, too. You can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. So, um, because after that time, the 3 MB, which, honestly, I, I didn't see it that much, but of what, I, of what I saw, man, those guys were a complete joke. And so now, at least two out of the three of them have seemed to, you know, rise to something. Jinder's now a, a WWE champion, and Yeah, just in contention. I think he's actually going for the belt actually right after, I think, Destination X to Takeover, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, I think definitely his spit that he spent with Impact and along with the, the Indies, I think definitely make it more of a uh, serious contender and not that jokey 3MB BS that he was doing. So, absolutely. And final two questions for you. Speaking of Drew, uh, Drew Galloway there, Drew McIntyre, obviously finding, him way, his finding his way back to NXT, which is where you once were a couple of years ago before coming to GFW. Uh, any thoughts on a potential run there down the line? Obviously, you're very focused right now on making the most of your stint in GFW and becoming a big star over there, continuing on the rise in that company. Uh, any thoughts on a potential run in NXT again down the road? Uh, I will say it's an option. Uh, it's an option that's been spoken about, um, but right now the time is not right. The offer is not right. Uh, I'm enjoying where I am. Uh, I'm enjoying the freedom that I have. Uh, I'm getting paid at least decently where I am. Um, and so I, I've been enjoying that. So there have been options to move on. Um, without saying too much, but I have not, uh, Nothing has compelled me enough to, to leave. Uh, and, and fortunately, I've also grown strong relationships now uh, within the company that I'm in. Um, so who knows what the future holds? At this point, my main focus is just make Impact GFW as big and as good as it possibly can be, uh, along with the other 30 or 40 people alongside me. Uh, and if we can, I, I don't know that I'm so much worried about competing necessarily with WWE or anything like that, but I think it's just that if we can start to be in the same conversation as far as getting on that level and just getting more eyes on us and whatnot. So um, that's my main goal. It's just at this point, I, I'm not worried about going there or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. To me, a biggest success in going to WWE would be to make this company double double its reach, mm-hmm. triple its reach, quadruple its reach. That would be a bigger success to me than ever going anywhere else. And final question for... Because if you consider the depths that we dropped to maybe a couple of years ago, whenever yeah. it's a point where, you know, we're going out of business, blah, 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 yep. stuff, to then be able to come back and bounce back and bring it back up, to me that would be much more incredible than anything I could do over there. 
And it's getting close to that point anyway. I mean, GFW now is much more relevant, much more in the mainstream than it was even two, three years ago, like you said, when it was at those kind of bottoms, those lows. And with the new rebranding, the talent you guys have, including yourself, it's really well on its way to that point. And uh, final question for you, more of a personal question in terms of something that I would like to know. Is there any chance down the road that we could see any sort of a stupid dummies tag team with you and Chris Jericho? He's got the stupid idiot going on there. you got the dummies, yeah. Could we see any sort of a tag team partnership with Chris Jericho and Eli Drake? Oh, boy. I, I, I guess you got to ask him about that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that, would, that would be an interesting... I don't know who would... Uh, Nobody would be able to talk. We'd both be trying to hog the mic, so <laughs> I, I really don't know. Uh, but that's definitely an interesting idea. Maybe it might even be better for on uh, opposing sides. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. You never know. Tag team foes. I think there's very few dream matches left in wrestling, but uh, that that might be a dream match for a lot of fans, myself included. Eli Drake versus Chris Jericho. Whether it was WWE, GFW, okay. or wherever, I think that'd be a uh, really really cool dream to see. Talk- yeah, dream talk show set. Could it be the highlight fact of life? Could that be it? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll have to see down the road. But before we let you go, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, obviously you got your dummy app. People can check that stuff out. Destination next, thir- next Thursday, Pop TV, August 17th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 Central. Uh, anything else you'd like to plug for the people, including your social media links? covered it all and then uh, on Instagram and Twitter you can be at the Eli Drake Awesome. People can check it out there. A lot of great outlets to uh, you know check out and purchase your stuff. Eli, I really appreciate the time. Big fan. I'll catch you down the road, my friend. Alright, man. Thank you so much. So there you have it, my exclusive interviews with the stars of GFW. Once again, big thanks to Loki, Sunjay Dutt, Trevor Lee, Bobby Lashley, and the new GFW Global Champion, Eli Drake. And uh, it's unprecedented that we air five separate interviews here on the show, but because my voice is still shot and they've been sitting in the can for a few weeks now, I figure there's no better time to air them all than today's episode. But to finish up, we got about 10 minutes left until the top of the hour, so let's just go with the full 60 minutes on WrestleRant Radio here today. A lot of thoughts, like I said, on SummerSlam, Raw, SmackDown, TakeOver from this past week. Not doing a match-by-match-by-match breakdown of every single show. That would take three hours, let alone ten minutes. Um, But to give my quick thoughts on each show, starting with TakeOver. I thought TakeOver was phenomenal. Um, One of, if not the strongest TakeOver to date. And of course, it's very subjective. We've had 17 TakeOver specials since Arrival 2014. And the amazing thing, but not really so amazing because the brand is so good, but every single one of those shows has been great has either been good, great, or amazing. And this one fell in the latter category in being amazing. So, thoroughly enjoyed TakeOver. That start to finish was a really, really strong show. Not a bad match in the entire card. Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas was a very, very good opener. I thought Almas winning was awesome, uh, especially with that finish. People didn't, Some people didn't like it with the DIY shirt being thrown in, interference from Zelena Vega. Almost needed the win. He's being repackaged at the moment. He needed the victory more than Gargano did. The guy's an underdog. He'll be fine. But furthering that feud between Gargano and Ciampa, uh, while Gargano or while Ciampa's still out with an injury until next year, I thought was brilliant. I thought was really well done. So that was a great way to kick off the show. Well, the really kick off the show, we had Code Orange performing the theme song for the show, which we've never had before, by the way. Never before have we had a live performance in NXT history. 
And more often than not on the main roster, it just doesn't work. Like, I enjoyed the Flow Rider Pitbull performance of WrestleMania 33 being there, but I'm sure most people didn't care about it. it. It just took up too much time. The show was already running into overtime anyway. But um, more often than not, live performances for musical acts in the main roster just don't work. Um, but in NXT, it has a great vibe to it. Maybe it's just because NXT is more, like, rock music-oriented anyway, and they're not performing pop, pop songs for their theme songs. Uh, it's, you'll, you'll never hear a Flo Rida song as the theme song for a takeover. Usually it's, um, I Prevail or Code, or Code Orange or, uh, something in Sirens that performed the theme song for Brooklyn One a few years ago, uh, <coughs> Bring Me the Horizon. Bands like that, that are really, really good underground bands and not many people know about, are awesome for takeover. So that they really worked well within the environment of Brooklyn at TakeOver on Saturday night. They also performed the entrance for Aleister Black before his match with Hideo Itami, which I thought was really, really fucking cool. I said it months ago, I'm going to say it again, it will not be long before Aleister Black is on the main roster. Um, I just don't think there's a place for him right now in the title picture with Adam Cole coming in, which I'll talk about in a few seconds. Drew McIntyre is the new champion, Bobby Roode's out, um, which I'll also talk about momentarily. So Black doesn't really fit into the title picture not anytime soon, and I feel like he's too good to be just withering away in NXT. He's, I, I hate to say the word, I hate to use the word withering away, because he is doing great work. The match is so far with Almas, Cassius Ono, Bobby, La uh, I must say Bobby Lashley, Bobby Fish, the other Bobby, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and now uh, Hideo Itami have all been really, really good. The guy's a great fucking ring talent. I don't know how good his mic skills are, but it doesn't even matter. The guy never speaks. He doesn't need to speak. He's an enigma. The guy's awesome. So, um, yeah, he's been doing great work so far. I really hope to see him on the main roster at some point down the road, if not sometime soon. The entrance screams superstar. The guy comes off like a fucking star when he comes out, like a complete badass with the entrance, and having the band perform it live was really, really cool. So that, I thought that was great. Jim Ross in the call was also, you know, a lot of fun. Corey Graves calling the NXT Tag Team title match was also a lot of fun. Sanity versus Authors of Pain, a match I had zero expectations for going in. Exceeded them all. The match was a lot of fun. Sanity shockingly picking up the clean victory in the new NXT Tag Team Champions before being laid out by Red Dragon, uh, debuting as a tag team. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish on this show. Again, awesome moment. And that wasn't it. Asuka and Ember Moon 2 had a really, really good match. That match was excellent. The near falls were great. The entering action was exceptional. The suspense was stellar. I thought the whole match was a masterpiece. And probably Asuka's best match in WWE to date. She's had a lot of good matches with Bayley, with Mickie James, with uh, Nikki Cross. But this might have been the best one to date, in my opinion. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, Asuka winning. I talk more about Asuka relinquishing the NXT Women's Championship, which was breaking news, by the way. It happened uh, last night, according to WWE.com, at the NXT tapings. I talk more about that in this week's random video blog, so for my further analysis on that, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews for my full thoughts on that situation. But um, yeah, then the main event, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship. Might have been the weakest match on the show, but it was still a good match. Um, the whole show is great and had so many good matches. It might have been the weakest match, but it was still pretty solid. Um, the finishing sequence, I thought was well done. It was exciting. I was actually kind of surprised that Bobby Roode lost clean. His first loss in NXT, one-on-one -on -one loss. 
But still, it was a big moment for McIntyre, a guy who three years ago wasn't even in the company. He got laid off in June of 2014 after, you know, floundering in 3MB for almost two years. And now he's being utilized to his full potential. And it's so great to see. Um, so he's the new NXT champion. But again, that was not it. And I love how NXT does this, too. They did this with TakeOver Our Evolution. They did this with, with uh, TakeOver Chicago a few months ago. So at the end of the show, they put up the... Uh, you know, the sign that the show's ending, blah, 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 that McIntyre won um, the NXT Championship and they're about to go off the air. And then out of nowhere, they the, the camera shifts and you see Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish on the ring apron. And then Adam Cole comes running through the crowd and uh, lays out Drew McIntyre in the ring. And Adam Cole is officially signed with NXT. Um, we talked about it months ago. I gave an update here on the show a few months ago that it was really more a matter of when and not if we would see him in the company. It was revealed, I think, last Monday that he had signed with NXT. And again, it was pretty likely that he was going to debut. In what capacity, we didn't know. And I said months ago in an article for HiddenRemote.com that he is the perfect replacement for Bobby Roode in NXT. And I said myself that if they bring in Adam Cole for TakeOver Brooklyn 3, Bobby Roode's main roster call-up could be imminent. Because we don't really need him as a top heel anymore. The era of Roode is over. He moves up to SmackDown Live days later. And now we have Adam Cole as our new top heel in NXT, which is awesome. Uh, the guy's so fucking good. Maybe they're not greatest in-ring wrestler of all time, but he's so entertaining. He's got the look. He's got the mic skills. People know who he is. Uh, people know who he is. They they are aware of his work. I love the fact they call him a former PWG and Ring of Honor World Champion. On commentary, Mauro Ronaldo. Uh, another great addition to the NXT broadcast team, by the way. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought this, this whole show was great, but that ending was stellar. Uh, really made you look forward to what's next for NXT with Drew McIntyre as a new champion and Adam Cole coming in with this seemingly new faction of himself, Fish, and Riley, O'Reilly, as uh, Red Dragon in himself. Could we see Donovan Dijak join at some point? Could we see Roderick Strong, who was completely absent from this show, which was a bit strange considering how big of a focus he was on NXT TV coming into the event? Um, that was a bit odd. But um, yeah, no, I thought this whole thing was great. And uh, whether we'll see more members added in time is really intriguing to me. Someone literally, uh, I want to give credit to him, to at Jeremy8911 on Twitter. He literally just tweeted me a couple of hours ago asking me that if it was, uh, what would I think of uh, Mike Bennett, Mike Kanellis, and Maria joining the faction considering their history and ties to Ring of Honor and Adam Cole. And I said, absolutely, that would be a tremendous idea. They were formerly part of the kingdom. Adam Cole, Mike Bennett, Maria, and Matt Hardy was there at 1.2, but he's not going to be joining the kingdom while he's with Jeff Hardy. Um, and Matt Taven as well, who's currently still with Ring of Honor. I think he's... Oh no, I was going to say he's her. That's his, that's his tag team partner, TK Orion. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, that's a great idea. He's not doing anything in NXT, in, uh, on SmackDown Live right now. I'm not sure why he bypassed NXT to begin with. I love the combo of him and Maria, but the, the main roster has just buried him. The guy fucking lost to Sami Zayn clean, lost again two nights later, and we haven't seen him in the ring since. So what's even the point? He should be back down in NXT where he belongs. Uh, in that faction, that would be really, really cool. Maybe ditch the whole lovey-dovey gimmick and then become more of a serious competitor. I like that a lot, but bottom line, I like the entire idea of a faction with Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and maybe a few others uh, from Ring of Honor. So it was rumored a few weeks ago, it was unknown as to whether it was just a rumor or actually being planned and turns out it was actually a thing so that was really cool to see closeout takeover adam cole will thrive in nxt the, the interview should be up on the youtube channel i mean it's already up here in wrestle rant radio if you want to check it out but 
in full by itself. It should be up on the channel maybe either this Sunday or next Sunday. But I did talk to Adam Cole right here on WrestleRant Radio last December talking to him about potentially going to WWE. That was when he was still with Ring of Honor as the Ring of Honor World Champion, mind you. And I asked him even then what his plans were for going to WWE down the road. And he said, you know, it's something I really want to do. I'm more focused right now on Ring of Honor and New Japan, which, you know, he went to New Japan and won the belt there, but that was about it. He didn't go back to Japan after that. And now he's in NXT, so it was really, uh, it's really cool to see a guy that I interviewed right here on the show go to WWE, as we all hoped he would, uh, less than a year later, and looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table on the black and yellow brand. So overall, TakeOver was great, two thumbs up. Uh, SummerSlam, not so much. I thought it was one of the weaker installments in, in many years. Overall, not a great show. I thought the main event was outstanding, but everything else really was not that good. Um, AJ and Owens have had better matches, but it was still pretty good. The tag title match, both tag title matches. The SmackDown one was great on the kickoff show. And the Raw tag team title match was also a lot of fun on the main show. Again, other than that, though, those were only the three or four matches out of, what, fucking 12 or 13 that I liked? That's not a good ratio. The women's matches were decent, but didn't really care. Balor and Wyatt, decent, but nothing too great or memorable. Um, Big Cast and Big Show was abysmal. You had Orton and Rusev ending in 10 seconds. John Cena and Baron Corbin putting on a pretty lackluster performance. Just just not a lot of good matches, really, at all. Uh, just not a good night for at SummerSlam. I thought it was not that good of a show, um, except for that main event and the two tag title matches, and maybe AJ and Owens, but overall, just not the best show. I really don't have much more to say about the show other than that. I just don't want to shit on it. I just didn't really care about it. Raw and SmackDown were a lot better. I mean, even Raw was... I mean, I'm trying to think back to think of great moments that happened from Raw... Um, we had a great Ambrose Rollins and Hardy Boys match, which was really, really good. Uh, Braun Strowman laying out Brock Lesnar to kick off the show was also a strong segment setting up Lesnar and Strowman for No Mercy in a few weeks uh, next month. So that should be a great match. I'm very much looking forward to that. If it was up to me, I'd put the belt on Strowman, but I know that's not happening. Uh, so we had that. The main event, it was The Miz and Samoa Joe versus John Cena, who was on Raw now and Roman Reigns. Uh, a decent match that was ruined by the crowd and their fucking beach balls, which have apparently been banned from WWE arenas, which I am all in favor of. Look, I would prefer a rowdy, annoying crowd over a quiet crowd any day of the week, but this was still a bit over the top. And I know WWE is also at fault for acknowledging the beach ball thing on their own WrestleMania Monday special and shooting a shot of it during the show on Monday, so they're also to blame. But stupidity is stupidity. People got to stop with the damn beach balls. I mean, we got John Cena and Samoa Joe in the same ring for the first time ever on Monday. People were more, were more concerned with fucking beach balls than they were with the match, which kind of sucks. Um, but I've also read reports that the main event of WrestleMania might still look like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, to which I say, why? We literally just saw Roman Reigns got his ass handed to him by Brock Lesnar, pinned clean on Sunday. I know it wasn't a one-on-one match, but the guy still got his ass pinned clean at SummerSlam. So what purpose do we see? Do we need to see Roman and Lesnar again at WrestleMania 34? I get the whole story of Roman and Brock, the only two people that retired The Undertaker and all this other shit, but it's like, dude, if you wanted to do that, then why did you just have Roman get pinned at SummerSlam? I'm not even advocating for Roman and Lesnar too. I mean, the match they had at 31 was great, but I'm good with this without, you know, going for a sequel. If you wanted to do a number two, you could have done a one-on-one at SummerSlam or at another show. 
Uh, maybe on a B-level pay-per-view. Maybe they still could. But Roman and Brock is not the WrestleMania main event people want to see. If anything, it's John Cena and Roman Reigns, which I think would be a great match over the Universal Championship. And how many times have we been over this before? That with, with Roman Reigns, uh, I mean, the, the fact that I've mentioned it here in the show before, how many times have we said it that the top two main events for WrestleMania next year from the SmackDown side, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship, and then on the Raw side, John Cena and Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I mean, I know they're doing Brock and Braun in, in September, but they could always do a rematch at WrestleMania between Lesnar and Strowman or Lesnar and Joe. I don't know who else you put him up against that would make sense. Like him and Balor, like what would be the point? I mean, I guess a lot can change between now and WrestleMania. But that's my WrestleMania main event. John Cena and Roman Reigns, not Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. It just doesn't even make any sense. The guy who who lost, you know, who beat The Undertaker, and seemingly, I say seemingly because we still don't know for sure, neither does WWE, seemingly retired The Undertaker WrestleMania has not won a pay-per-view match since then. That's comical. I'm not saying Roman should be winning more, but <coughs> according to Dave Meltzer on Twitter, he said the reasoning as to why they're having Roman lose more in pay-per-view is so people like him more, which is not going to work. People will still like, still detest Roman Reigns, for as long as he's in the main event, it just doesn't make sense to put the belt on him next year. It's just not his time. Not not yet, anyway. Not now. Uh, it is for Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman. It's not Roman Reigns' time. And to go back and do Brock and Roman at WrestleMania just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Maybe a year ago, when, when Roman first beat The Undertaker, and not a year ago, but six months ago, and Brock beat Goldberg for the Universal title, yeah, it made sense then. After what was reported, I mean, that match was even reported well before WrestleMania between Roman and Brock at 34. But all these months later, I can safely say it doesn't make sense anymore with Roman being beat clean by Lesnar on Sunday. And he's just, it's just not the match to do. I can think of three or four other people ahead of uh, Roman Reigns that should be facing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And again, the match we really want to see, it's not like don't do Brock and Roman, but I don't have an alternative. You have an alternative. John Cena and Roman Reigns, they teased it on Monday. And I don't know why they would do it at any other show but WrestleMania. If they do it at No Mercy, God save us all. That would be so stupid. And I, I love the report I read that John Cena was moving to Raw to put over younger talent, despite the fact he literally just beat Baron Corbin at SummerSlam. Another dumb move. But I think that, that has more to say about uh, officials losing faith in Baron Corbin as a top guy for now than it does John Cena burying people. But it really was a burial of Baron Corbin coming off the failed Money to Make Cash in on Tuesday. <clears throat> but anyway, um, yeah, Roman and Brock. Roman and Brock is not the match. WWE should be doing a WrestleMania as has been reported. It needs to be John Cena and Roman Reigns, likely for the Universal Championship. So that was Raw SmackDown Live real quick. Really good show. I enjoyed it on the whole. Bobby Roode is now a part of the blue brand. Could not have been happier. Real quick uh, story here for you. I was on my way home from work. I wasn't driving. I was on my way home from work on Tuesday. I was watching SmackDown on my phone because I got out around 8 Eastern time. So when the show started, I saw the opening segment. I was like a few minutes away from home. And like Aiden English is in the ring. I'm like, I might as well just, I might as well just like turn it off now because... It's probably a squash match with, like, fucking, I don't know, like, Chad Gable, who I love or whatever. I don't know. It's going to be a quick throwaway match. And then the lights go out. I'm thinking Nakamura's coming out, and Bobby Roode's music hits. Now, I figured there was a chance he could show up, which is why I wanted to watch SmackDown Live and not waste any time until I got home. Because it had been reported coming out of TakeOver that a main roster call-up for the guy was only imminent. And it was. He showed up three days after TakeOver. 
but he came out as a baby face to a huge reaction from the Brooklyn crowd. They loved the theme song. They gave him a, uh, a uh, superstar level reaction. And uh, yeah, Bobby Roode now a baby face on SmackDown, a complete 180 from his days in NXT as a, t- as a top heel, which is fine. I'm sure they'll turn him heel at some point down the road. Um, but Dave Meltzer made the point on his show right after it happened that they can't turn the guy heel on the main roster as long as he has that theme, as long as he has that theme song, which I kind of agree with. Uh, that was kind of a, an issue with this character in NXT, but he's also a much more natural heel. So unless he changes the music or he gives him, they give him his TNA music, which was also great for a heel. Uh, but anyway, though, yeah, Bobby Roode's music is great to the point where it's too great to the point where they have to keep him babyface for right now. And that that's fine. Um, but I'm interested to see where he goes. Now I've heard reports and he might be replacing, there are reports before I showed up that he was going to be replacing Baron Corbin and getting his push. But now that he's a baby face, he might be getting John Cena's push instead. Now we have a couple of top baby faces on the brand already in AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Putting Bobby Roode up there as a top, you know, as a upper mid card level heel or a baby face rather for now. I think it's a great move. You could put him up against a, a few different people from Kevin Owens. <coughs> you could put him up against Mike Kanellis for now, I guess, if you wanted to. Which isn't a money feud, but it gives him something to do. Baron Corbin's up there. Uh, there's quite a few heels. Rusev, you could do Bobby Roode and Rusev for right now. There's a couple different guys. So I love the move to put Bobby Roode on SmackDown. I think SmackDown needed him more than Raw anyway. And it was a glorious debut, to say the least. So I'm very happy to see Bobby Roode. And by the way, how crazy is it? I mean, it, it, it just never gets it never gets any less surreal for me to see guys like AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe all show up on the main roster. Like, maybe not NXT, but when Joe debuted back in January, it was surreal. Because I never thought I would see the day that a guy like AJ Styles, Joe, or Bobby Roode, three of my top favorites from, um, from TNA from GFW, whatever, would ever end up in the WWE, but they're all here. Two on SmackDown, one on Raw. That's pretty amazing. Austin Aries too, but he has since left the company. But yeah, Bobby Roode on SmackDown Live, I'm in full favor of. Looking forward to seeing uh, what he brings to the table in the months to come on the blue brand. Shelton Benjamin is also back, finally on SmackDown. Uh, He returned in a backstage segment with Daniel Bryan and Chad Gable, being revealed as Chad Gable's new tag team partner. Uh, basically replacing one black guy with another, I guess, is WWE's formula, but it might not even last. They could have Benjamin turn on Gable as soon as next week, which would also be fine, because they have enough baby faces as it is anyway. Um, so if they turn Gable or uh, Ch- uh, Shelton Benjamin heel, I'm, I'm fine with that too. And they, they had the two feed, which could uh, produce a lot, a lot of good matches, so I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. But Benjamin is back, Bobby Roode on SmackDown, Ginger Mahal is still WWE champion, not my favorite thing in the world, but... Maybe he drops the belt to Nakamura sooner rather than later and SmackDown reclaims its top spot as the better brand between Raw and SmackDown and WWE. Um, but yeah, SmackDown was a good show. I thought AJ and Owens was also another really good match, especially um, after all the referee shit was moved out of the way. I mean, the shenanigans kind of watered it down a bit, but it was still a pretty good match. AJ still the United States champion. And that's it. That was uh, the week in WWE. Again, I had to give my abbreviated thoughts. I'm still not feeling too well, but those are my quick two cents on TakeOver, SummerSlam, Raw, and SmackDown. We will be back to normal next week with my full reviews of Raw, SmackDown, and everything else or whatever else I want to talk about, maybe NXT and Lucha Underground. 
uh, starting next week after all the craziness and the busyness has died down after the last two weeks that have been uh, just absolutely insane. But that being said, guys, once again, thank you for checking out the show as always. And uh, for the interviews with Eli Drake, Low Key, Trevor Lee, Sanjay Dutt, and Bobby Lashley. Enjoy talking to all of them. And uh, glad we got those out of the way so we could just continue talking about wrestling in the weeks ahead here on the show. So it's been a loaded episode of WrestleRant Radio here today, guys. We'll be back next Thursday, not Friday, next Thursday, which is the regular day for WrestleRant Radio, just the only exception being this week because this week was crazy. But um, I will be back next week with another all-new episode of WrestleRant Radio talking all things Raw, SmackDown, and everything else in between right here on the show on NextAirWrestling.net. Find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. So with that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm Graham GSM Matthews once again, and I'll catch your ass down the road.